0: Hello, and welcome back to Campbell and Company's podcast on fundraising during COVID-19. If this is your first episode, we're using this series to show how nonprofits have kept their fundraising strategies fresh and responsive during a difficult time. To learn more, visit our COVID-19 information hub at campbellcompany.com COVID-19. This week, Vice President and East Region Director Tina Yoon spoke to Charles E. Smith Life Communities President and CEO, Bruce Lederman. Here's the conversation.
1: So Hi, Bruce. It's wonderful to have you here with us today. Um, thank you for joining me to talk about um, the impact that COVID-19 has had on Charles E. Smith's life communities. I'm really glad to be with you today.
0: Christina, I'm really uh, was excited to get the call and I look forward to our conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you. So Before we begin, I think it would be helpful if you could give a brief overview of your organization
0: Uh, It's my honor. Charles E. Smith life communities is located in Rockville, Maryland. We're just inside just outside the beltway in the Washington DC region. And this is our 110th year of serving older adults on our 38 acre campus. We provide life experiences and provide quality of care to approximately 1100 older adults. living in one of six residences on our campus. Our best-known service line is Hebrew Home of Greater Washington, which is actually the largest skilled nursing center in the state of Maryland, and also um, um, is the location of our post-acute care center for those older adults who are discharged from hospital but not quite ready to return home yet. And in addition to Hebrew Home, we also offer independent living on our campus in two 250-unit apartment buildings, Rink house and Revit's house, and we also provide assisted living um, services at Landau House with memory care in the adjoining Cone Rosen House.
1: Great, thank you so much. And um, I think uh, it would be great if you could share with us a little bit about how COVID-19 has impacted your residents and your community.
0: Well, I think like many other elder care providers, um, although we all had our pandemic response plans, what we quickly learned is that when you've seen one pandemic, you've seen one pandemic. <laughs> and for us, and I think for the entire industry, um, the, 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 the word that comes to mind um, that was most critical in our response was resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, we needed to anticipate, we needed to re- prepare, and then we needed to respond. And our team is composed of over nine, about 950 team members. And I should also mention as a nonprofit, we have a very engaged board of lay leaders as well. And so all of us working together, um, staying on the same page, displaying that resilience, um, allowed us to rededicate ourselves to our mission.
1: That's great, yeah. And I see that um, you've been very transparent about the COVID cases amongst your staff and your residents um, located on your website. And that's been an important part of your being able to stay in communication with a lot of the families and your donors as well.
0: No question. Obviously we've had occurrences of COVID on campus. So the impact has really been tremendous, obviously on our residents and all of our customers, their families Mm -hmm. and friends included. The isolation that was required and is still required due to social distancing and new infection control protocols um, has really been disorienting for our families, for our residents, and quite frankly, for our team members as well.
1: Yeah, and I was wondering how the pandemic has impacted your fundraising efforts as well during this time.
0: It did create an opportunity for us to go to our donors who already knew us and to um, remind them of our importance to the community. And certainly our transparency allowed our donors and the entire larger community to be aware of the impact of COVID on our campus. And so it it definitely um, created an opportunity for us to have some distinct mailings referencing COVID-19. Certainly our major gifts officer and myself contacted our major donors and remained in contact. Mm. Also creating opportunities through video conferencing to stay in contact or begin new conversations with those donors who are engaged but not quite at the major donor level, but really um, needed an opportunity or appreciated rather, an opportunity to hear from me, to hear from our chief medical officer, to understand how we were responding to help inform their idea of COVID's impact Mm -hmm. on older adults in the U.S.
1: So how have your donors responded to some of this outreach? Have you been seeing that they've been quite receptive? Have they been lamenting the fact that they aren't able to come to your facility and walk around and take a look and see the work in action? How has that transpired for you?
0: You know, it's been interesting. We we have had some uh, specific responses from our donors with regards to COVID-19. We did create a team appreciation page for our customers, for our families and, and the friends of our residents, for them to help support the team directly. You know, um, uh, uh, there's no question it's challenging um, to, especially to be introduced to a new donor and not have the opportunity to meet with them in person um, rather through a video conference and not able to um, tour them on our campus. Mm -hmm. But our story is our story and the transparency on our website, I think, goes a long way in allowing us to explain who we are. Um, Of course, it does take more work to understand the donor um, in that instance and how we can help them fulfill their dreams. In supporting older adults. Certainly, we have seen a great resurgence in our direct mail campaign since the program, uh, since since the pandemic began. Um, And that has been very heartening to see. And we have been able to establish some new relationships with very consistent direct mail donors who now have a sense of urgency about um, connecting their their commitment to us with the uh, pandemic.
1: Wow, that's exciting to hear. Very happy to hear that news. And I know that you typically run the Guardian campaign towards year-end, which is an opportunity for you to raise your annual operating support, and that it involves a large cadre of volunteers who do outreach to your community members and to donors and remind them about the campaign and secure that year-end support, which I know is critical your programming. And I was wondering, how are you planning on running that campaign this year, and what are you expecting?
0: We are fortunate in that this is the 61st year of our Guardian campaign, Mm -hmm. and approximately 15 years ago, we eliminated our major donor event to rely solely on the Guardian campaign. So unlike many other nonprofits, we didn't have to worry about moving to a virtual event for our major annual campaign event. Conversations are held one by one. Now they're being held by Zoom meeting and not over a cup of coffee. I think that's been an interesting hurdle to overcome, but not one that is too high of a burden for Mm -hmm. us to be able to break through. And again, going back to the operational side, we have a great story to tell. And the transparency on our website, I think has really helped Um, our lay leaders um, and the professionals who are engaged in the campaign to be able to um, um, share our story, our successes, our challenges. Um, I anticipate that we will do well this year with the campaign.
1: That's great. Very exciting to hear. And I was wondering, um, when you think about your staff and the residents and everybody that's part of the Charles E. Smith Life community. You know, this pandemic is stretching on longer than any of us could have anticipated or would want. Just wondering about how do you keep morale up amongst your whole community and keep people excited about the future and the work that you're doing and keep everyone motivated to keep working hard day in and day out as hard as, as hard as it is.
0: Early on, we we focused all of our strength on um on identifying and and communicating the highest priority was the safety and well-being of those we serve and our team and that mantra um is still very much in place and very much receiving continued laser focus so over the length of the pandemic and of course unfortunately we don't know when this when circumstances will significantly change It really has been the responsibility of our key leadership to constantly communicate that mantra. And we have deployed a lot of tools to support that. So for example, by the second week of April, we began biweekly town hall meetings Mm -hmm. between the executive directors of all of our residences and our families at Hebrew home. We are hosting those meetings weekly for our internal customers, our system operations team, which is about 80 of our directors, vice presidents, and managers. um, I host, along with other senior managers, a biweekly town hall video meeting. And then on a bi-monthly basis, our leaders, executive directors, and department heads are hosting town hall meetings with their entire teams where we are engaged in Q&A sessions, um, pulse polling during the uh, video calls in order to stay in touch with our team. And in addition, one other third element, we launched early on an internal social media platform that allows us through an app on everyone's smartphone to be able to post stories of success and communicate our message of our highest priority.
1: Wow, that's great to hear. It seems like this idea of transparency, communication, caring for your community, it's all flowing one into the other and helping to bolster up the community. And maybe in closing, we could end with this. Is there anything that you've newly implemented because of the pandemic that you think is actually just general good practice that you'd like to carry forward beyond the pandemic?
0: I have to say the town hall meetings with our families and our customers Mm -hmm. are definitely a feature that is going to be maintained. It's become a great avenue not only for us to share with them but for them to share with us through the chat box feature to share with one another to know that they're not isolated. Additionally our own internal communication platforms social media platform will will definitely continue, but also our internal town hall meetings has really flattened out the communication pathways between those who are providing direct services to those we serve and to senior managers. And what better way for culture to be expressed where every voice matters?
1: Well, and what I like about that too is that no one has to fight the Washington, D.C. area traffic in order to attend any of these meetings. So I'm all for that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Bruce. It's just been wonderful speaking with you. It's exciting to hear about some of the changes that you've made, but also the success that you've had in keeping your residents safe and wish you continued success through this difficult time.
0: Well, Christina, I really appreciate the opportunity to share it with you and your audience. Thank you for your time today.
1: That's it for today.
0: For more information, please visit us online at campbellcompany.com COVID-19 and follow us online on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks for listening.